Junk food supper. 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 Junk food Welcome to Junk Food Supper. This is the podcast where, well, I guess we'll figure that out soon. We'll find out together. <laughs> uh, I am Parker, and I am joined by Sean Byron in LA. Um, this is the inaugural episode, a spinoff, a sequel of sorts. Uh, so it's very exciting. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine, and, and yeah, th- this is a, a a new venture between Parker and I, and and I guess we should tell the listener out there, like, don't adjust your dial. This is not a a mistake. You're you're not picking up two thirds of the signal s- signal, but no, Kevin Moss is in fact not here, which will be a change for us. He has uh, he was murdered and set on fire while celebrating his birthday, I believe. It was brutal. <laughs> It's a real shame. Uh, yeah, he's in Boca Raton right now. He's uh, he's retired. He is retired. He's got a little a pug, I think, down there. He's living his best life. What the fuck? Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe he is here still, just kind of in, in digital form with a very limited vocabulary that will sometimes uh, sometimes apply to, to what we say, and, and other times it's that's up to you to decide whether it does. Usually it'll be when we're watching Dracula movies. That's usually when it'll actually apply to what we're talking about. <laughs> and, and sometimes he sounds like that. I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. I like when um, it sounds like that. But yeah, so th- this is junk food supper. And, and I guess you're probably asking yourself, what is this? And I think the answer is, you know, as Parker alluded to, we don't quite know yet. I mean, I think we have, a loose idea. Maybe we'll figure it out. He and I together right here on the air to, to some extent, because we didn't really talk about this too much. I mean, I think we knew that we wanted it to be like a stripped down version of, of what we were already doing and, and not really change too much about the show, but it is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. I think it'll be very familiar to everybody um, in that it's going to be us tight bros talking about movies and stuff. Um. But it'll be a little bit different. And I think it'll be uh, familiar to the people who maybe have joined us on the Patreon, because I think we're going to be doing, in addition to talking about movies, we'll probably be doing segments that are probably similar to what we do on on the bonus episodes, or what we have been doing on the bonus episodes, perhaps, if I were to wager a guess, but we'll be getting into that. We're going to be figuring out things here on the fly. Yeah, yeah. More or less. I mean, I, I think the general structure of the show that listeners can expect is that we'll have, you know, uh, a review of something every episode. What that something is, you know, it's probably going to be pretty similar to the stuff that we were reviewing at Junk Food Dinner, cult movies, weird movies, sci-fi, horror, all that kinds of stuff. But I think also we should be open to things that would have, you know, previously fallen into our short weeks category or short films category, like those weeks. Um and maybe, you know, do so with an eye towards covering more than one of them, you know, if it makes sense. So, like, rather than do a review of a single 24-minute anime or something, if we wanted to watch, you know, three, four of them or something, put together an hour's worth of a, a runtime to talk about, I think we'll also be open to that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that um, that only makes sense. I mean, if, you know... 
if we're if we're going to be reviewing Dragon Ball Z, we got to get at least six so that something other than screaming happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the plot advances, you know, at least somewhat. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's cool if if Goku is running across that cloud road for the entire thing, but there better be something going on with that old guy, right? The yeah, cool mustache. Exactly. Yeah. Or if we were to talk about something like the Twin Peaks, maybe I wouldn't be hooked after just the first episode. Maybe you got to get to episode three or whatever before before you're hooked. So I think that, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to do some of that. We'll be able to afford a little leeway in getting people hooked on certain television shows. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and so I guess that kind of plays into like the other feature of this, like it now being a show where we only review one thing per week, we're going to be alternating those picks. And so... Um, you know, our concept here is not that we're going to pre-plan the show like we used to, you know, we used to, man, Bowman and I would be up (laughs) late nights brainstorming ideas for shows months in advance, you know, we had this really complicated spreadsheet that we had to uh, get our CPA certification even to put together. Um, No more of that. Now it's going to be kind of flying by the seat of our pants. This week is a movie that Parker wanted to review, uh, which we'll be talking about shortly. Uh, but next week will be me. And, and so during this episode, I'm going to be kind of noodling on like, what do I want to review with Bowman next week? Because I, I don't have anything in mind yet, but I'm sure throughout the course of this episode, you know, either something that is said on the, on the podcast or something about the movie that we reviewed, or it could also just be the mood that I'm in, you know, irrespective of what happened on the show, but just something is going to prompt me to, to pick something. Yeah. And, and I mean, now that we're, we're like kind of jumping into the segment where we're figuring out the show and everything, and that's one of the big questions I have is we tossed around this idea of um, like whatever I pick, then the next week, uh, you know, hopefully whatever, whatever thing I've picked to review will kind of get your brain turning and then that'll uh, cause you to pick something sort of like a domino uh, effect. And so, so I'm kind of curious what the extent of that is like, um, like how uh, how closely we're going to keep uh, to to such a thing. Like if you ha- like if you bring in a movie that you say that you watched on a Thursday, could I get away with just being like, oh, I watched such and such movie on a Thursday as well? Like, or is that too loose of a connection? Or I mean, I I, I think it's going to be highly variable. I mean, I, I don't think we should be too strict on it. Like the only thing that I think mm-hmm. we should be strict on is that we don't plan, and and so. Yeah. There's going to be weeks like, you know, not to get ahead of myself, but, you know, we're watching Break Into this week. And, you know, I, I was watching this and thinking about, well, maybe I want to pick a, a Fred Astaire movie. You know, there, there's actually some like actual references to Fred Astaire's specific dances in this movie. Maybe I'll pick one of the movies that's referenced in this. I, I don't think I'm going to go that way uh, because I think one of the other tenants I'm going to try and follow is... I'm going to try to pick movies that you like or that I will suspect that you will like, you know, this is going to be kind of like a never ending movie hostage situation, but I I want it to be a pleasant experience at the same time. So, um, you know, it, it may be that I find a connection between this movie and something else, but it, it honestly, I think it is also fine to be like, you know, based on, something that's happening in the world this week that I think might make for a good discussion, you know, uh, okay. things like that, you know, I gotcha. And, and you bring up a point that I was thinking about too, is that 
for whatever reason now, it, maybe this doesn't even make sense because now that we're only doing one movie, I am much more, I feel like I'm, my instinct is to pick movies that we will both enjoy. Yeah. Rather than the old show, which, where I would be like, well, it's only 33% of the movies we have to watch this week. So I don't care if these guys have to watch a Tyler <laughs> Perry movie. <laughs> and then on top of that, there's a 50, 50% chance that somebody will like it. So I got yeah. all this Scott Steiner math going on. But now that there's only one movie to pay attention to, I've, I, you know, I feel like uh, I got to pick good movies. Um, yeah, so, well, so yeah, so I had the same thought. Because those movies now represent the show in a way that they didn't as much before. You know, if, if you pick a Tyler Perry movie, that means that for a week, we're hosting a Tyler Perry podcast. That's what our show has become. <laughs> it's what we'll be known as for that week. Um, and, and I don't think anybody wants that. Well, don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you actually bring up a good point is that one time me and Frisbee did do pool Perry radio. That was for a whole week. We changed the entire format. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll I'll leave that to you and Jason then. I got got no problems (laughs) with you guys doing it. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that there would be any circumstances where I would do a Tyler Perry movie. But I mean, we'll see how this, how this show progresses. I, I think that while our intents right now are are wholesome and and pure, you know, tune in for a while, and, and who knows, maybe this will turn into like a week over week troll fest where I'm picking Hungarian art films, and you know, Parker's only picking like uh, low budget punk rock movies shot exclusively in Dayton in 1991 or something, you know. Oh wow, those are the best kinds of movies. That's how you well, find your Van Bebbers. True, true, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think that this, you know, it's going to be easier for us, certainly, to only have to review one movie. I, I think we can get a, a little bit deeper. I think also we could open ourselves up to revisiting, you know, movies that were covered on Junk Food Dinner. I mean, especially if it's a movie from the Fredo era where you were absent or something. Uh, you know, that means that neither of us have, have reviewed it before. And I think even in cases where you have reviewed it before, there might be some fun to go back and review it again, you know, decades later, as it were. Yeah. Neither one of us have on record on the show reviewed, uh, rats night of terror, which is, I think a glaring, uh, (laughs) a glaring hole in both of our uh, movie watchings. Um, so we probably should be watching that. That was a Fredo era pick that I wasn't on and that you were obviously weren't on. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do. I do like this idea because there was a ton of movies that you from the Fredo era that you haven't seen. Most notably, as was revealed last week, Shock Treatment, the Rocky Horror sequel. Ah! Yeah. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll definitely 100% be doing that. <clears throat> and yeah. even outside of that, like there, there are three movies that we did in the very early days within the first year of junk food dinner that looking back on, like, I feel like we did way too early back before, like I was good at talking about things back before the show was like really cemented. And like, we were like in the swing of things and that's uh spookies, terror vision and American psycho that I would love to redo because I feel like I really dropped the ball on the reviews when we did them originally. So those might show up at some point. Did you not praise terror vision? Well, I did. I had the correct opinions about all three of those movies. I just feel like I didn't talk about them 
as like as much as they deserve. I didn't love them as much as they deserved. Although I was, I probably gushed over them because I love them all. But like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe our audio quality wasn't good enough, or maybe I rambled too much since it was like the early days. Like, I don't know. I would just like another shot at those movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this show is a perfect venue for that kind of stuff, you know, going back and setting the score straight. Um, and also I, I think we should mention, we will still be playing voicemails. That's still going to be a component of this show. Will it be a little confusing now that we're two shows sharing the same voicemail number? Yeah, of course. It's going to be confusing as all hell, but we're going to just going <laughs> to roll with it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It would probably be too much work to say, oh, if you want to talk to Kevin, just say that in your voicemail. Cause then we would have to listen to it and then, you know, put it in a different box. So that might even be too hard. So like, just really, I would suggest just everybody learn our schedule. And if you want to talk yeah. specifically to Kevin, just call on Kevin Weeks. Yeah, just just try to time it properly, and you know it might work out for you. And if it doesn't, I'm sure that Kevin's going to be out there pouring over every episode of of Junk Food Supper, and maybe even personally writing you back. Yeah, I hope that Kevin would be listening to this because I have a lot of funny drops that Kevin's going to really enjoy. Oh, really? <laughs> I found a really great drop that might debut later on that I think Kevin's going to get a kick out of. And he wouldn't uh, know about it. This doesn't it. really stroke me. Oh, Kevin's not into it. <laughs> oh, no. Well, maybe he won't like it after all, but uh, but I guess we'll see. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine that there might be a 50-50 chance, at least, that if you ask Kevin a question and it pops up on this show, that he'll answer you. He might be listening. I don't know. Or we can just ask him. Or find him in the Discord. I don't know. He's out there. He's alive. Yeah, he's, he's, I think I would argue he's been more active in the Discord than ever, you know, since uh, retiring permanently from podcasting. That is true. Yeah. yeah he's in there so showing I, off his 401k. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his timeshare papers. He claims it's his preferred entertainment medium now, Discord. Mm-hmm. He severed his cable television. He actually went outside and cut the cord himself, even though the technician told him not to do that. And yeah, it's all Discord now, all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's understandable. I mean, it was just today that we found out that Justin is very young. A uh, friend of the show, Justin, he revealed his age. And uh, yeah. it shocked me and Frisbee to the core. We did not know when we were hanging out with him that he was only 18 years of age when uh, he lived next door to me. And we were uh, feeding him beers. So. What's the, so what's the math on this? He's basically like three years younger than us. Um, like four, four or five, maybe. Wow. Better, so he, right? he was not even born when Breaking 2 came out. He was not even born when Junk Food Dinner started. That's how, that's Whoa. how young he was. Oh, okay. That's impressive. Um, what else do we want to cover about the format of the show, though? I, I think, as we mentioned before, Patreon picks are no longer really a thing. Yeah. But I did want to throw out we're still listening to our listeners. So, uh, you know, if, if you call in with a voicemail, recommend something that might spur us to pick it. If, if you go on the discord and let us know that, you know, your favorite movie needs to be reviewed, that might spur us to pick it. Yeah, for sure. I, I like a, a lot of the, the picks that we've done for Dom Deloise weeks. Sometimes, uh, they involve Julian Sands. So I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm all for them. Um, yeah, I wish there was a way to make them mandatory, but with the new 
new set, like with the new format, there really isn't unless we did like a bunch of movies and we're too lazy for that now that we're old. Um, but, but yeah, like we are always listening. And if you got a suggestion, voicemail it, uh, let us know about it, plead your case. Um, you know, we're listening. Yeah. Well, and, and the, okay. it's always a possibility that I will spend one of my free afternoons, uh, talking to myself, t- doing an audio <laughs> commentary for it. Like I did with that uh, Dustin Ferguson movie, uh, because I've got a lot of free time and, uh, my wife works like 15 hour shifts. So I'm here all alone all the time. So <laughs> if you really like a movie, maybe I'll just do that. Why not? I'm bored. Um, but, and, and I would probably listen, you know, assuming it's not a, a Dustin Ferguson pick again, which I, I still haven't listened to that one, but maybe I will someday. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's probably not worth listening to if you watch the movie too, because the movie's so bad, but uh, you could probably just like turn on the commentary while you clean uh, your house or something. I feel like that's probably the best way to listen to it. Don't actually okay. watch the movie. It's a bad movie. I feel like I, I could still probably wash dishes to that commentary though, I guess. Yeah. That's the perfect way to listen to audio commentaries, I think. So outside of this subject of, uh, of what is junk food supper, I feel like I, I kind of blew us past um, what we usually talk about at the top of the show, which is what's been going on this week. Is there anything new in Bowmantown other than junk food supper? Well, there is. But before we um, get past this segment altogether, there is one important question that I want to ask. Okay, yeah. Junk Food Dinner is the world's oldest and sexiest cult movie podcast. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, is Junk Food, or Junk Food Dinner is, uh, is Junk Food Supper a cult movie podcast, or is it a movie podcast? Well, I mean, what even is the definition of cult movie <laughs> anymore? I, I feel like that has become kind of a meaningless term over the course of the show. Like, I, I think it did mean something you know, low those 500 years ago when the show started. But when you, when you live in a world where there's like deliberate attempts to make cult movies all the time and everything that has any kind of like niche appeal seems to get like marketed like crazy and reissued. And I don't know. I I don't know that it's as meaningful anymore. Why? You're, You're trying to do Tyler Perry movies basically. Well, I mean, I'm just curious because like, well, we both have been accused and we accuse each other of, of picking movies that have nothing to do with the thesis statement of junk food dinner. Like when I picked a Tyler Perry movie, or like when you pick a Hungarian art movie. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess this is bringing it up to like a bigger question, which is like, what is a Fredo pick? Do we have Fredo picks on this show? Um, I don't know. I'm just like, if I were to pick Jurassic Park, would that be frowned upon? I mean, I don't know that I would. I like that movie, so maybe it's possible. But like, is there anything like I would never pick Jurassic Park for junk food dinner? Like, you know, I would never pick like, I don't know, you know, boyhood for junk food dinner. Well, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's a bad example since it's Linklater. But like, you know, you know, a James Bond movie, I wouldn't necessarily pick for junk food dinner, maybe. But like, what about junk food supper? Is Jurassic Park. Were Jaws okay for junk food supper, or I don't, or would it even be? Am I thinking too much about it? Would that be okay for junk food dinner? Even certainly not okay for junk food dinner to be reviewing Jurassic Park. I mean, that's that <laughs> goes without saying. Um, but I think over here, maybe yeah, maybe we're a little bit looser. I mean, from my perspective, what I would say is this is a show where we want to 
entertain our listeners. And if we can find an entertaining conversation about any movie, I, I think that's valid. I think it does become a challenge, though, to talk about things that have been talked about you know, a million times over and still find new things to say or, or have it be interesting to our listeners who tend to have interests that skew towards the more obscure, I would say. That is probably true. That is true about them. But yeah, I okay. think overall, I, I would be less concerned about Fredo picks. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, I'm not, I don't have my list here and it's all Steven Spielberg and uh, Marvel movies or anything like that. I'm just kind of wondering what the scope of the genre is here. Yeah, and also, I, I need firm rules on what is a Fredo pick, so, because I like to accuse people of picking Fredo things. <laughs> I, I think it's like what that senator said about pornos, right? Like, it's it's tough to write a definition, but he knows it when he sees it. And mm-hmm. that's true of Fredo's, <laughs> you know? We'll have to just call them out as we see them, and maybe a, a pattern will emerge at some point. But yeah, I mean, if you feel passionate about it, and you think that I'll enjoy talking about it with you, don't be shy. But don't bring okay. something just because it's like super popular or something, or you feel like, you know, it's we're obligated to review this movie or something. The only thing we're obligated to review are Bill's above movies. And we're getting to that <laughs> entire filmography. <laughs> Yikes. Well, good news is I think there's probably only about 650 of those left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's 650 of the worst ones. We've already done the cream of the crop. <laughs> Great. Well, with any luck, most of them will just be remixes of footage from the other ones that I have seen, and I can just pretend like I've seen them. I think he does that a lot, so no yeah. no worries on that tip. What else but, is new, though, in, in Bowman's world? Um, well, uh, as you may know, uh, where I live is completely flooded, so that's made my, my work very exciting to live in unprecedented uh, biblical times where the desert has flooded completely. So that's been a lot of fun. And there's another storm coming in tomorrow, I think. Yeah, tomorrow night. And then it's just going to get worse this summer when all the like 30 feet of snow in the mountains starts to to uh, to melt and we get all of that. So yeah, it's going to be a really fun summer <laughs> full of like horrifying things that would have scared people into praying for different kinds of gods a few hundred years ago. Well, on the upside... People can look forward to snowboarding in June this year. That's mm-hmm. cool, right? That's normal. So <laughs> we should all be excited about that. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, so that's the, yeah. Have you experienced any of this? Are you guys? It's probably not down there. It's like all crazy, right? Not the flooding as much, but it, it, it's been wet and wild. You know, like the the freeways will flood a little bit, and you don't really want, want to be driving too much in this weather. But it's hasn't been as bad as it's been up there. You know, no massive destruction or anything like that. But I'm ready for this rain to be over. It's it's cramping my style for sure. Yeah, it's stupid. Driving around in rain is the worst. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just hate it. Um, but outside of that, I went to see a movie film this week. Ooh. I saw the movie film John Wick Part 4. Have you heard about this? I have heard of this. Have you considered seeing this movie? Well, I've seen the first three, and I, I'm i not one of those like John Wick super fans, but I, I had a, a reasonably fun time with all of them. I, I think maybe the third was my least favorite of them, so I'm not sure if it is a, a diminishing returns kind of a thing, but I'll see this eventually. I'm probably not going to see it in theaters. Theaters may be the best place to see it. It's a very beautiful film. Um, 
like there's a lot of cool lighting and stuff and there's a lot of cool uh locations um so I'd if say you it's do a see piece it, of ass. Well, exactly that may yeah. be the place to see it but uh but i also um maybe don't see it i don't know i thought it was kind of stupid i didn't care for this one really so, yeah which is a very unpopular opinion everybody else yeah. loves this movie that's a minority so, opinion yeah, I thought it was uh, each one of these movies gets longer and longer, and each one has less and less story. And it's, I don't know, I just don't understand how they, they're they getting away with this. Like, there hasn't been a plot since part one. <laughs> like, I don't even know what the, John Wick is fighting for anymore. Like, Did and it's fun get, to watch him fight. Get a new dog? He doesn't even, I don't think he has a dog in this movie. There's a do- one dog in this movie, and it belongs to somebody else. Probably doesn't even like dogs anymore, you know? Yeah. And we're over Probably. here rooting for this guy, thinking that he's the big hero. This guy is not even a dog fan. That's probably true. So, how was the uh, how was the dead guy in it? Oh, the guy from The Wire. Yeah, Lance Reddick. Oh yeah, he's in it. He's cool. I like him. You like that guy? You see him on the Eric Andre show. You remember uh, that? I saw that the people in the Discord posted it, but I didn't see it. I didn't oh, watch that was, it. That was a legendary moment. I haven't seen a whole lot of that Eric Andre show. I like Hannibal, but I think maybe Eric Andre is annoying, so I haven't seen it. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've seen like clips and stuff, but. Huh. As a guy that likes Jackass and loves Tom Green, and you know, you're a Nathan Fielder fan as well, and, and all these things that are kind of in that, that zone, right? I'm surprised he didn't like Eric Andre. Well, I, I saw that movie he did, and I hated it. Oh Is yeah, it? yeah. I, I saw like the first scene of that where he's like naked in the SUV or whatever, and I was like, "This is dumb." Yeah, I turned it off. Yeah, I didn't care for it. It seemed like the the whole joke of that whole movie is just like, "What if we make people believe that they're going to die from violence? Is that going to be funny?" <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, don't know. I just didn't get the premise. Yeah, I mean, at least Alan Funt knew the comedy was, what if we make people believe that they could have sex with this naked woman? <laughs> that is very funny. Yeah, it's it remains funny decades later, but yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, all right, well. Didn't know that John Wick 4 would, would let you down. I'm kind of surprised. It did. I'm also surprised. Um, but what about you? Have you done any fun stuff this week? Oh, not too much. I, I got these WrestleMania tickets, so I'll be going to WrestleMania later in the week. I guess that's that's the big thing. Um, no, I wouldn't say that I'm like super excited for it, which is crazy because I spent like way too much money to get these tickets. But I also felt like it's kind of a it's, a, it's such a rare thing. Like, how often does this happen? Uh, I was at the the last WrestleMania that was in LA, which was like. 18 years ago or something, I guess. Uh, WrestleMania 21. So I feel like I should be at this one. Yeah, well, that's reasonable. Wrestling is fun in a live atmosphere. Who, Who's going to be at the one you're going to be at? Because they do it on the two nights. Who's main eventing on, on the night you're going? Yeah, so you know? I, I got tickets for Friday night, the SmackDown Hall of Fame ceremony, and then also the night one, the Saturday so Hall of Fame is going to have Andy Kaufman being inducted by Jerry Lawler, which I'm guessing they're going to get maybe one of Andy's kids. Like he's got a, a daughter, right? That I think shows up to things sometimes. Yeah. I'm hoping that Tony Clifton will be there, but yeah. that's wishful thinking from the PG uh, WWE. 
It could. I mean, it, maybe it might happen. Bob Zamuda's alive still. He lives in Los Angeles still. He is very old, though, and he doesn't go out that much anymore. But it's it's possible. Um, either way, you know, to, to see Lawler do some kind of a tribute to Kaufman, that'll be cool. And then yeah. Rey Mysterio isn't going to be in the Hall of Fame. Who else? Oh, um, um, Keiji Muto, the great Muta. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that'll be fun. And then night one of WrestleMania is going to have Austin Theory, who I'm not a huge fan of. He's kind of a boring wrestler, in my opinion, uh, versus John Cena, who I was never really a fan of. I I saw him win the title at WrestleMania 21, and I remember being kind of bummed out because I liked JBL more than him at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Seth freaking Rollins, who I've never liked. Uh, versus Logan Paul, who I don't think should be in wrestling. <laughs> so I'll probably just be at the bathroom for that match. Um, then Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control. Um, and I like Damage Control. And I guess it's kind of fun that Trish Stratus and Lita are back. So I this is kind of cool. I, I think it's going to be a disaster in ring because at least two of those competitors like can't really wrestle anymore. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And then, yeah. uh, I'm a big simp for Bailey. So I'm, I'm ex- probably most excited for that match this for the entire weekend. That's yeah. my number one match. Bailey's cool. I, I, I think all three of them are cool. Um, I, I was surprised to see, uh, IO sky was, was, uh, right behind home plate pretty much for the, uh, the World Baseball Classic Finals, Japan versus USA last week. It's kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, I saw um, and then, Yeah, so there's that. There's uh, there's Brock Lesnar versus Omos. That's the guy's name, right? Omos? O- yeah. Omos? How do you... The big giant uh, dude. Yeah. Who's, like, he's not giant. really a wrestler. Yeah. But he's, he's been big. wrestling for, like, five years and hasn't learned how to do it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing. Well, uh, that's kind of like par for the course with these guys that are like seven foot tall, right? Yeah. Although actually on that subject, I watched that Andre the Giant documentary that came out on HBO like, I don't know, a few years ago, um, this past weekend or so, or maybe like a week ago. And I was surprised to see like early on in his career, you know, before his body started falling apart, Andre could kind of move like something I never knew because I, I grew up seeing kind of the tail end of his career when he could barely move, but he was a mm-hmm. decent wrestler at one point. Yeah, it's it's kind of shocking when you discover that about some guys. Like I saw a wrestling show, it was a WWE show, but it wasn't televised like 10 years ago or something in like Fresno or Bakersfield, one of the two. And there was a big show, I think versus Kane match. And like they did a spot where like Kane was in the ring and Big Show was outside of the ring. And you know the thing they'll do where like, the guy will like grab the other guy and like pull him into the ring. And he does like a big monkey flip over the, the top rope and falls into the ring. Oh yeah. Kane did that to the big show. Like he cleared the entire ropes and like, just, yeah, like did a complete like front flip into the ring. Like it was the most amazing athletic thing I've ever seen from the big show. And it was on this untelevised show in Bakersfield. It was like the most incredible thing I ever saw. It was amazing. And and they didn't do the spot where he then like broke the ring, you know, and the Bam Bam Bigelow spot from ECW where the ring collapses. No, nah, that would have been super cool. But no, nah, it was just like a normal thing. Like, and then they got up and like, that wasn't even like the finish. They got up and like finished the match. And I think Big Show won. Huh. How yeah, about it? Was, it? Like, just, yeah, huge, 
huge athletic spot from a 500-pound dude. He's still working, right, Big Show? Is he in AEW or somewhere, I think? He is. He's a commentator. Uh, I think he still wrestles every once in a while, though. It's, it's That's pretty wild that he, I mean, a guy that was, I feel like, active in what, like the the late 90s, maybe 97 or 8 or something like that, like that is his knees have kept up for this long. It's pretty impressive for a big man. Yeah, for sure. And then the other match that they've announced for Saturday is Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. I, I'm a Rhea Ripley fan. Uh, I thought she was uh, pretty impressive in the Royal Rumble. Again, like in terms of like actual wrestling talent, I think she has a little bit of ways to go, you know, with her in-ring skills. But I think she is so physically impressive and a pretty good interview that it works, you know, Um so I'm, I'm excited to see that. I think she's potentially going to get the belt. I feel like Flair is ready to drop it and kind of take a break. I would hope so. I think Charlotte Flair sucks at wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I hate her matches. Like she always does the big like corkscrew thing off the top rope that always looks like it hurts the people that she lands on because she does it wrong. And she has that <laughs> stupid finishing move where like, it's like a reverse DDT or whatever, but like, the person is on their knees when she does it. So like, I, I don't know how it hurts. Like they just fall like one foot, like eight <laughs> inches or something onto their face. Like, I don't understand how that hurts a person. So I hate that fucking move. So well, yeah, but she's I, also I got her, her dad's move. You know, she does the, the figure eight or whatever, which is like a figure four with a bridge or something. Right. Yeah. The figure four, but you, your boobs always pop out. <laughs> <laughs> And there's like a million screenshots of like a nipple hanging out during that move. Yeah, that's a good move though. I like that. I one. will. I well, yeah. I mean, for for obvious reasons, but but I will say that she is <laughs> pretty good at selling. Like, there's been a few matches. She had a match with Ronda Rousey. I don't know. Was it maybe last WrestleMania or at some point where like they were selling that uh, Ronda broke her arm? And it the way that Charlotte sold it, it, it's pretty compelling. You're like, damn, did she really break her arm? She seems to be in legitimate pain. Um, so I don't, I don't think that she's completely without skill, but it's I think it's yeah, it's probably time for her to hang it up. I think she also yeah. should get credit for like being kind of at the forefront of this new wave of female wrestlers who are seemingly, you know, much more capable than the wrestlers that we grew up watching. In terms of the, the you know the women's division, yeah, for sure, yeah, I think like the ladies are much better at wrestling, or at least more like interesting than most of the dudes now. Like when I watch wrestling, especially on WWE for like the dudes, it's like I only care about Edge. I think I think maybe he's the only guy mm-hmm. I actually like. To whereas like a lot of the ladies are actually fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's slim pickings on on the men's side. I mean, I think Cody Rhodes is okay. Um, I guess that's going to be night two, so I'm not going to see him compete. But there's like just so much bloodline stuff. And then there's guys that have been around for so long and like haven't really progressed in any meaningful. Like the fact that Sheamus is still on Raw like every week and like doing the same thing. I'm just like, I don't know. Like it, it does feel like overall there's no momentum in the company right now. I've been watching like pretty religiously since the last Royal rumble, just trying to like get back into it. And it's fun to have wrestling in my life. And like, um, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably entertained by it because I, I have very low expectations for it and I just kind of turn it on and 
you know, it's good background noise while I'm eating a meal or something, but I I do wish it was better. And, And I think that there's, there's potential for wrestling to be great again, because there are so, so many talented athletes involved now. Like a lot of the guys, when we were watching in the nineties had big beer bellies and were you know, out of shape. Mm-hmm. And these people are like so fucking talented and, and athletic now, but it needs writing. Like it needs good writing. And, and hopefully that's going to come at some point. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, when like there's a story on WWE, it's like a guy telling another guy that he respects him, but he has to like, <laughs> compete against him. You know, <laughs> like, it's yeah. just like the most boring stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so sick of seeing Sami Zayn and Kevin K.O. Owens like nearly kiss in the ring. It's like either, you know, <laughs> get it on or get it over with guys. But yeah, there's a lot of weird bromance stuff. And then just just repetitive angles where it's like the same competitors coming out and facing each other for months at a time to build up to a (laughs) pay-per-view match. And then I feel like even after WrestleMania, it's probably still going to be these same guys fighting each other. And they don't, I don't know. They don't mix it up like they used to. Yeah. I, for a while on the WWE network, I was like rewatching all the old attitude era stuff. Yeah. Like that stuff. Yeah. Like there'll be like, you'll, you'll be feuding with a dude for one month. And now you're feuding with another dude and like, and they just mixed and matched dudes like all the time. So you were always seeing something fresh and every single thing had a storyline. Like even if you were like the dude opening the show, if you're like some fucking loser opening the show, you had a storyline. Like it was yeah, so much well, better. They had so many angles going on. Like, and you know, sometimes that would lead to like short matches on raw back in the nineties, but it was kind of cool that you would get to see like 20 different wrestlers or something. And over the course of a night, doing different things. And now I feel like you can watch a, an episode of raw and see like three matches and like two real boring interviews that lead into those matches or these fucking interview segments that they do in the ring where like some joker sets up a couch and like a, a standee, you know, with their name on it. <laughs> what happened to the Piper's pit over by the jumbotron? Like I, I don't like these in ring interview segments, you know? Yeah. They're pretty dopey. Although I do like the Miz. The Miz does that. I like him. Yeah. And I and I do like the super kick that ends every interview segment. That's always fun to see. <laughs> every single person's got a super kick nowadays. It's crazy. Yeah. That that is crazy too, yeah, that everybody's super kicking. That used to be like a pretty exclusive thing. It was like the Heartbreak Kid did it or, or something, and, and that was maybe it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it was a finishing move. It's like now everybody's doing the DDT all day, every day. It's like they used to murder a man. They used to say when Jake Roberts DDT'd a guy, they'd be like, "He, this man is dead, undoubtedly. Now everybody's doing it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, the it's escalation insane. of wrestling. Yeah. I rewatched uh, the, the Ric Flair, Terry Funk trifecta from 89 this past weekend in WCW. It was like um, they had that kind of the solo match and then they had the um, the Halloween Havoc tag match that had Sting and um, and the Great Muta in it, and then they had a, an I Quit match. Three great matches. And, I mean, in terms of, like, writing, I, I mean, I guess there's not... It's not like they came up with some outlandish idea. Like, there's no, like, sci-fi concepts or anything in these matches. Like, it's, it's just these guys don't like each other or whatever, or they want to hurt each other. But I don't know, like there's something about the way that they build up the tension between them. And it's, it does feel so much more believable. And I don't know, I, part of it is that the announcers kind of suck these days, I think. 
Um, they don't really know how to, other than like Michael Cole, who I think does an okay job. These other other guys don't really know how to call a match and, and build drama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It used to be like the announcers would like, kind of like tell the stories that you were like supposed to be picking up visually. And now the announcers uh, like kind of like just tell you where to buy Skittles and stuff. Like yeah. Matches. It's yeah. It's, it's always some weird thing. Like they'll be talking about stuff that's not even happening in the ring. You know, it's, it's like, they're giving me a recap of the interview from like three weeks ago that they did. And it's like, I, I don't need that. Just tell me, give me the name of this weird, you know, new maneuver that maybe I haven't seen a wrestler do before. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they don't even know the like names of moves. Like a lot of the time on wrestling now, like Joey Styles, he knew all the names. That was a oh, guy. Yeah. You could say you clock to that guy's knowledge about wrestling. I loved him. Yeah. And, and he's like fully retired now, right? Like he's like a, like a financial analyst or something. I think I read on Wikipedia once. Yeah. Yeah. He's been gone for a while. That sucks. I guess outside of re-recording his commentary for the new Jack matches on WWE network. Yeah. This is his most recent work, I guess. Well, the other thing that I checked out um, this past week was DC Infinite. Have you played around with this at all? The like the e comics app for DC Comics, where you can you can read comic books on your phone or whatever. Not for DC. I've looked at the Marvel one, um, and it's very hard to navigate. So I kind of gave up on it. Is the the DC one good? It's okay. I mean, so I signed up for the free trial, which is like a week, and I don't think I'm going to keep it. I'm, I'm probably going to probably going to let it expire at the end of the week. But I, I wanted to try it out and see how it works. I mean, the app itself is fine. The only problem that I have is like the selection is like very modern centric. It seems like it has everything that's been published within the past. I don't know, 10, 15 years or something. And I'm guessing that's because they have like digital copies of all that stuff. But then like the older stuff, which I, you know, I signed up hoping to walk to hoping to read a bunch of like silver age stuff is pretty minimal. Um, I ended up reading like the first issue of police comics from quality comics, which is like the first appearance of plastic man. And that was kind of fun. Although, alarmingly racist in, in terms of its treatment of the Japanese, <laughs> oh which I guess you can expect for a comic that was published in 1941, but it, it goes like above and beyond like the Japanese, like uh slap a Jap Superman stuff. You know, it's, it's pretty gnarly. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I, like I was looking around and like, you know, I, I love Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. That's one of my favorite, favorite titles. And they have like the first 10 issues or something. And then it skips all the way to Jack Kirby's run, which is in like 220 or something. And it's like, I, I want to read those those real weird Jimmy Olsen comics from like the late 50s where he's finding like rainbow kryptonite and it causes Superman to never be able to stop dancing or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of those are like weird and fun. I see like the covers of that, of that Silver Age stuff a lot. Uh, like I haven't read a lot of it, but a lot of the covers pop up on like Tumblr and stuff. And it's always something silly like that. Like Jimmy Olsen is turned into a girl gorilla in this issue. How will Superman save him? Like it's always goofy stuff. Yeah. It, it was a good time for comic books, you know, where it, it seems like anybody could become a bizarro as well, uh, which was mm-hmm. always fun. I, I've got a comic that has bizarro Perry white on the cover and, uh, there's a bizarro Joker in, in one comic that I've got somewhere like from the sixties. 
Um, but none of those are on DC Infinite. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably, I don't know, I'll probably try to cram in some reading on there. Maybe read that Hour Man series that came out in the, the early 2000s, reread that again, uh, and, then, and then probably wrap it up. Yeah, I, I, you're jogging my memory now. I think I did sign up for DC Infinite a while back because I wanted to read some of the 70s Batman, like the Denny O'Neill stuff, and I couldn't find any of it on there. So I, I gave up, which seems to be the thing with both DC and Marvel is like, with Marvel, like they really push the newer stuff on you, like whatever's tying into like whatever movie's coming out. And like, it seems like a lot of that, like, but, and like they would also push like the very early runs of stuff, like the 60s, like the Marvel age stuff. But a lot of that stuff in the middle they didn't bother with. So, like, it seems like both Marvel and DC are just like, eh, the 70s and 80s, who cares? Don't worry about that stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that like part of it is like it's probably a pain in the ass to like scan all these comic books, but. I don't know. Yeah, just uh, just do it. I mean, toughen up. I know it's a pain in the ass, but I, I want it. So <laughs> go do it. Go scan these. Nobody yeah. likes to scan things. That is I true. Don't know. Um, other than that, I, I wanted to mention that um, squat melt's coming back. So in the off chance, and it, it has happened before, but it you know in the off chance that any junk food dinner, uh, junk food dinner slash supper listeners out there. Uh, wanted to come to Squat Melt. It's going to be happening again next Wednesday, uh, April 5th, probably around 8.30-ish at the uh, the Charlie Chaplin mural in, in Los Feliz. So hit me up if, if you, uh, you, know, you want details, you want to meet up at Squat Melt. Are you guys still recording where they film the hit TV show Barry? No, but not too far. Um, that building was completely tore down uh, a oh, few wow. years ago. Yeah, so... Uh, sadly it's gone. Yeah. The old Steve Allen theater where I used to see Ron Lynch's tomorrow show. Um, and a lot of good comedy shows happened inside that theater as well as in the, uh, the parking lot out back. But, Did they replace yeah, it with like a Starbucks or a Chipotle or something at least? Uh, they replaced it with a sign that proclaims that fancy looking condos will be built there, but <laughs> I think it's still the, just the sign. I think it's been three years of an empty lot with a sign. At least they, at least they tore down a piece of history for that sign. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that they melted down the cool bronze statue of Steve Allen in the front. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, it's been a little while since we did a squat melt. I think the last one was like November-ish, and then we put it on pause for partially weather-related reasons, partially attendance. It's it's been tough to get people to come out, uh, but. Yeah, we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna try it again. I'm glad to hear it. I like watching your videos afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun to put them together. So I'll be doing my part to uh, capture and and document a, a little slice of comedy history, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of videos and comedy history, do you want to jump into this movie Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo? I would love to, but I, I think we might be remiss if, if we didn't allow our, our our voicemails to be played. You're absolutely right. My mistake. We are we've got voicemails. We are bad at this, by the way. I mean, if we <laughs> didn't make that clear early on, uh, Kevin was not not only the glue holding the show together. I mean, he was more he was the show, to be honest. And and uh, Parker and I were just kind of little devils on his shoulder, you know, whispering into his ear. But now. 
now mm-hmm. now we're yeah we're we're trying to do this on our own. So you got those voicemails? Indeed, so uh, we got two of them here. The first one I believe is from Kevin, but not Kevin Moss. Hey 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 JFD Kevin E Oakland CA. Oh, very honored to have my choice of siesta in the last Dom DeLuise uh, pickums. Sorry that it was a bit of a waste of time for you, along with uh, Excalibur, which is a, another movie that I like. But, then's the breaks. Kevin Moss, hope you make very good use of the time that you'll have away from the the grind of watching three movies. Um, and, no. Uh, make make very good, uh, good use of that time. And looking forward to seeing how the program evolves from here, or at least from the next week. Good day, gents. Thank you, Kevin, for your for your voicemail. I don't feel sorry. They don't apologize for picking Siesta. I'm happy to watch any uh, Julian Sands movies, even if I didn't uh, fully love it. I, I'll watch a Julian Sands movie that I hate. I love the guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would like to be able to say that that's the case for me, but if we're being honest, I mean, Fiesta was the reason that we decided to stop doing Dom DeLuise movie. It was specifically that movie. <laughs> no. It's all your fault, caller. Uh, no, no, of, <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, it was not my favorite movie, but it was a kind of a fun oddity, and um, I don't feel like we've done enough like weird soft core 80s and 90s kind of straight to Cinemax kinds of movies. Um, and that's kind of in that wheelhouse. Absolutely. And that's one thing that will be remedied on this show. Is that <laughs> we, we never fully committed to like a Gregory Dark era of junk for dinner. But uh, but I, I think we're ready. I think we're watching, you know, those Red Shoe Diaries and all that. We're, we're going to get into that. Yeah. We'll go into our Zalman King phase. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we've got another voicemail. I'm not sure who this one's from, but they keep it short and sweet. Kevin, please come over for gay sex. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure who called. I, I, that one was specifically for Kevin, I guess. Well, this is what I was talking about before with our listeners. You guys got to time it properly. If you want to reach Kevin, you got to wait a few weeks, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on the message. Mm-hmm. We'll let him know. We'll let him know you're out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are the two voicemails. Uh, so if you got voicemails out there, give us a call at 347-746-JUNK. That's 347-746-5865. Let us know how you're doing. Um, let us know if you got ideas for movies we should do, or if you have uh, ideas of what is a Fredo pick or whatever you want us to know. Uh, you can also email us at uh, jfdpodcast at gmail.com. So feel free to do that. Very nice. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Yeah. So should we take a break? Should we take an actual break here? Do you, or, yeah. 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 Okay. Let's we'll take a quick break and, and we'll come back with uh, break into electric boogaloo. Party people in the place to be. This is what you've all been waiting for. Electric Boogaloo, the ultimate show with Kelly, Ozone, and Turbo. Electric Boogaloo is breakdance too. Yes, ooh. Hi. 
I'll finish you, your friends, and your whole damn neighborhood. This time there is an enemy, so they must unite. Because to say what you believe in, sometimes you must fight. You lost your edge. Fine. Electric Boogaloo's the greatest, nothing can compete. And once you've seen this movie, you'll believe in the beat. Welcome back to Junk Fod Supper, uh, first movie ever uh, for this for this program is Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. This is a, a movie that I picked because if we're doing a sequel to Junk Food Dinner, there's no better sequel to kick it off than the movie with the greatest sequel title of all time, uh, Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Sure, I mean, also you could argue that it makes perfect sense to start a new show. With the second entry in a series? Well, well I, I mean, should we have done break in one first? We did break in one on, on the normals, on junk food dinner. Oh, yeah. Well, that is true. Then then I guess, you know, besides the fact that we could potentially revisit it, I mean, it's probably not worth it. It's it's effectively the same movie as, as we'll get into. Yeah, pretty much the same, except I would say that part two is much superior. Oh, like, Interesting. Th- there's really no reason to watch part one. I've only seen part one maybe like once or twice, and I've seen this movie countless times because this movie does everything that part one does, but but better, I think. Well, let's let's get into your history with it then. Um, I'm not sure where I first encountered this, but I first, I mean, maybe it was like on HBO or something like that, but like I just always remember it being around. And then in high school, um, like even like before high school, it was like kind of just around, like I would, you know, I would make jokes about it and be like, ah, this you know, like if somebody like was wearing something silly, I'd be like, oh, you look like ozone from breaking, you know, right now, you know, so like it was just always like around. Um, but I don't remember like where I first saw it or anything like that. But then in high school, a little bit after high school, I got the DVD and like it came out in like a weird three pack. Um, I guess it was, yeah, yeah, this was after high school, after I'd moved out and stuff. Like it came in like a three pack with Break In, Break In 2, and like some other hip hop oriented movie that I forget which Maybe one. Maybe Crush Groove? It's like Crush Groove, but not Crush. Rapping, maybe? Is that it? Um, Could be. I don't know. It's maybe to this day. I mean, I don't think I've ever watched it to this day. I just watched Breaking Two over and over again. But, <laughs> but it was like a, a pretty readily available DVD set. I saw it at like Walmart all the time and stuff. But, um, but then once I got that, I would watch this movie like just constantly. Uh, me and Frisbee would watch it a lot. Uh, when I lived next door to friend of the show Justin, uh, me and my friend Jono. And our friend Jenny Mac and Frisbee, like we would just watch this all the fucking time, like every day. Um, 
And and then uh, on the Chappelle show, he did like an homage to this uh, or he did an homage to the first one. And like that made us like it more. And then like it seemed from there, like it just kind of became part of the zeitgeist. Like people started making the electric boogaloo joke, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I would guess it was probably before Chappelle got around to it. I, I feel like I was hearing electric boogaloo jokes on like the Simpsons and stuff, you know? True, true. That is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like part of the vernacular. I think mostly how people know this movie is that anytime anybody mentions uh, a second something, you say electric boogaloo. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. just, it's like instinct now. Um, what is the uh, the Chappelle bit like? Because I, I, I'm pretty sure I've never seen it. Did he get like Boogaloo Shrimp or anybody back for it? No, nah, I forget exactly. It's been a long time since I've watched Chappelle's show, but he dresses up like Turbo. And like there's a part in the first movie where Turbo is sweeping up like outside his house or outside of like where he works and like does like a breakdancing um, performance like with the broom. And okay. Chappelle basically just reenacted that. Like he just kind of <laughs> just redid it. Like he didn't add a lot to it or anything. Like um, he just dressed up like, like him and did it. Um, Although he, he did make a big point of asking the broom of its gender identity, <laughs> which I thought was kind of strange. <laughs> Very ahead of his time to, to have done that. He said, I'm coming back to this bit in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, from there, like, I mean, now I think everybody kind of just is aware of this movie. I mean, I mean even the canon documentary, this is a canon movie, a Gold, uh, Golden Globus movie, and the documentary is called Electric Boogaloo. Like, I feel like it's just the title of this movie looms large, even if you've never seen the movie. But but I've I've been a, a long, long adopter, a long supporter of this film. I just love it. Um, how about you? Is this your first time watching this movie, or...? No, no, far from it. I mean, well, not too far from it. I mean, I I saw this in the video store days as like a young kid. I I saw both of them, I think around the same time. And I don't remember them leaving like a huge impression or anything, but I kind of liked them, you know, I thought they were kind of fun and colorful. And then I came back to them in my 20s. I I honestly think I've probably only seen both of these movies once in adulthood, which um, I've logged them on Letterboxd in 2012. And I think that was the only time. And maybe that was maybe that was when JFD did the first break-in. That might have spawned me to, to rewatch these. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a huge uh, experience with these. These are not movies that I would like rewatch over and over again with friends or anything like that. Well, that's unfortunate because they're very fun films. One time, I mean, even Frisbee, uh, I think like when I first, like close to when I first met Frisbee, like our first year of being friends, like he... For my birthday or for Christmas or something, he got me the Break Into record, which is very nice of him. I still have. There's a lot of good uh, jams on there. There's that uh, Dindada song. You know that one? Yeah, that's a good one. The um, I like that. I like the hospital song where they need to call a doctor and call an orderly. <laughs> that's a good one. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so this movie is uh, directed by Sam Furstenberg, who is like a canon lifer basically um he did revenge of the ninja which we did on junk for dinner american ninja bunch of ninja movies and then also this breakdancing movie uh he also did ninja three the domination starring lucinda dickey who is uh kelly in this hmm sounds like though ironically Furstenberg didn't direct the first break it <laughs> is very ironic uh it, i don't know that he did a lot of firsts he did american ninja 2 
Oh, I, he also did the first American Ninja, so never mind. I was about to say, he's got a lot of sequels on here, but it looks like usually he does the the firsts as well. But uh seems like kind of a weird choice being an action director to do this. But Yeah, well, um, I mean, kind of a weird... I mean, I, I guess not that weird of a choice for canon. I, I was going to say this is like kind of unlike their other movies, because I tend to always think of canon as being the guys giving me like Death Wish sequels and stuff like this, you know what I mean? But... I guess they they did kind of run the gamut of all kinds of movies. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think this is like one of their first like big things. The first break-in movie, uh, I found in my research. Made a ton of money, right? That first one? Yeah. uh, It had a budget of $1.2 million and it made $38.7 million. That's pretty good. Which is massive. And that is probably why this movie came out seven months later. Wow. Uh, which seems amazing now. They're, they're cranking these things out. But uh, sadly, for whatever reason, this one uh, on a $3.4 million budget, or $3 million budget, made only $15 million, which I I don't know. Like I guess maybe people saw the first one and just didn't like it, and then, or maybe it was too soon for a sequel. I don't know. I, I don't understand, because this one seems so much better. But... um. So I don't know. I can't understand why this one didn't do as well. But I could be wrong on the timing, but I think it might be that the first movie like enjoyed the distribution from MGM. And I know that there's a falling out. Yeah, I think that is what this is. Yeah, so there's a falling out between MGM and Canon around this time over the fact that um, Golan and Globus wanted the um, Bo Derek movie Bolero to contain like X-rated sex scenes. And I think that they got their way. Like eventually the movie came out with some pretty like, not like hardcore penetration, but stuff that was beyond an R rating. But I think following that MGM refused to distribute their movies. So break in one is an MGM distribution release. And then break in two is not. And I'm guessing that's uh-huh. probably partially why this didn't make that much money. They probably couldn't get it into all the you know same theaters that they could. That makes a lot of sense. I think I saw that this one was only in like 700 theaters or something like that, which seems like not a lot. Uh, so that, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Also, it came out at Christmas time, and this is like a very summery movie. Like it's so sweaty yeah. and sunny this entire yeah. time. Um, Th- that's certainly a, a factor as well. But I, I don't feel like in those seven months that the public interest in breakdancing would have completely fallen off a cliff you know i think people like that first movie i think they were smart to kind of cash in as quick as possible and unfortunately yeah they just didn't have the distribution backing yeah it's a real shame i i think there's a universe out there where they did like seven of these movies and it's definitely a good universe oh by Um, the way i'm i'm seeing here something that i didn't know before that rappin the 1985 film that also features an, an apostrophe uh, prominently in its title is a sequel to Breakin' and Breakin' Two. Is that true? It's what Wikipedia says. That would explain why it's possibly on that in that box set that I have. Um, yeah, and, I and I they can... all feature Ice T, I guess. All right, well, I guess I finally got to watch that movie. Um, but as for this one, uh, this one yeah. stars. Uh, revolves around a trio of of friends. Uh, Kelly, played by Lucinda Dickey, is 
from a well-to-do family, a very rich family. Um, and she is kind of a classical dancer who, who meets up with these uh, young street dancers and they form a friendship. Uh, and uh, Lucinda Dickey, uh, to get, this is part of my research here that I did. Uh, and she was a solid gold dancer before this. Um, which was like a very popular thing back in the day. Solid Gold was like a dance show uh, where people just wore leotards and like looked foxy like while dancing, basically. Um, and then she did a bunch of canon movies, all of which we've talked about on the show, I believe. Um, and the other two guys, we've got... Um, well, we've got Shabadu, Aldolfo, Quinones, possibly. I'm sure I butchered that. Um he plays uh, Ozone and Michael uh, Boogaloo Shrimp Chambers, who I assume they probably named this movie after. Um, in some, I think so, way. right? I mean, the, yeah. the title, I, I actually never really thought about it before this week, but I, I think it just means, hey, this, this Boogaloo guy is a good dancer or something like he's electric, right? And like, there's no, there's nothing in this movie that's called a Boogaloo other than Boogaloo Shrimp. And there's no yeah. like, Nobody gets electric superpowers or nothing in this. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is like an end credits thing at the end of break in one where like somebody comes up to the trio and he's like, Hey, you guys got to check out this electric boogaloo. And like, That's the end. It's like a cliffhanger. thing. So yeah, but like there's nothing about an actual electric boogaloo in this. Um, but uh, Shabadoo, who sadly died during COVID, um, he was part of the lockers, a an LA based uh, like dance crew that featured Fred rerun Barry and Tony Basil. And they are the people who popularized locking, which is fucking insane to, to like, I never knew this. So for those three people to have invented blocking basically, which is like a cornerstone of, of like hip hop dance now. Um, and uh, Chambers, Boogaloo Shrimp, uh, he, according to Wikipedia is the person who showed the moonwalk to Michael Jackson, Whoa. which is amazing. Uh, and I mean, he does that in this movie and I don't think Michael Jackson did the moonwalk until later. Maybe I didn't look it up, but um, you're saying that was Boogaloo shrimp did that. Yeah. He, he learned it from his brother and then he taught it to Michael Jackson is the way Man. that the story goes. We should have been calling it the shrimp walk all these years. <laughs> exactly. Uh, more importantly than that, though, he played one of the good robot usses in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, so Boogaloo Shrimp did? He did, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm guessing just the um, just the physicality, right? Like I don't, The voice is probably yeah. Keanu and or Alex Winter, right? I would think so, yeah. But he was the one wearing the suit and like doing the, the robot and stuff. Which makes sense, because like, that's, it, you know, like that kind of old school robot is yeah, very was, prominent in this film. He was like the, the Doug Jones of his day, I guess, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, so throughout the course of this movie, um, the three of them need to save their local community center called Miracles from an evil, uh, greedy developer who wants to tear it down and build a supermarket. Um, which I don't know if these guys are the first people to come up with that plot of like needing to save the local rec center or whatever um, from a creepy, or a, a creepy, greedy 
uh, white guy. But uh, that was like a huge trend all throughout the 80s. Um, so I feel like this movie probably started that, but it happened a lot in movies subsequently. Yeah, it was certainly a, a, a definite trope at a certain point. But it, I, I mean, I would be surprised if there wasn't some example before this, because it, it seems like yeah. such a, I don't know, like kind of a, a standard uh, concept of just like we got to rally people together. I mean, even Goonies is kind of the same thing, uh, which is, I guess, yeah. maybe slightly after this or something. But yeah, it's certainly a, a very popular trope. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so throughout the the course of the movie, they have a bunch of montages and dance numbers. Very, very plot thin, but very, very fun, dance heavy. Um, the the Miracles Place is actually a place called Casa del Mexicano uh, in Boyle Heights, which still exists and was actually sort of a community center, not unlike Miracles in real life. Um, and they have wrestling there sometimes. So I think that's cool. <laughs> um, huh. I yeah. never knew that. Yep. And um, yeah, do you, like this movie opens up with like well, probably the best dance number maybe in the entire thing where like the three of the characters are reunited and they start dancing through their neighborhood and like everybody's joining in. Like the cops are dancing and like the, the mailman starts dancing and like everybody's dancing and like, you know, going up and down these hills. Um are you familiar at all with this neighborhood? It seems like a very fun neighborhood. I know that yeah. you've seen Lucha Underground there. Yeah, well, so all all that Boyle Heights stuff is pretty close to where I live. Yeah, it's like it's like a mile, mile and a half away. And that neighborhood, for the most part, looks pretty much the same. It, it's been kind of untouched, which is great. Uh, still a predominantly Latino neighborhood, like 95% Latino or something. Um, but they are the developers are starting to kind of move in and, and change things. Um, so we'll see for how long it, it still looks the same, but yeah, Boyle Heights is great, great neighborhood, uh, a lot of great Mexican food and that cool fourth street bridge that they do the dance battle under, um, that's still there and still looks pretty much the same. Um, some of the neighborhood, like on the other side of the bridge, like in downtown has changed pretty substantially. So it was kind of cool in this to see, you know, what that area around the bridge looked like, which is kind of desolate looking in this movie. Like it's crazy. They go under the bridge and it's all like, just like mounds of dirt and it's very like dusty under there. And just, it doesn't seem like a settled place, uh, especially compared to right now where there's like, you know, tons of expensive condos and stuff like right under that bridge. That I would not have guessed. Cause yeah, it seems like, it seems like a very seedy place, which is why you go there to fight, the electro rock crew. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm yeah. guessing the people who live in those fancy condos don't even know the history. You know, they're, they're not even familiar with the, the dance battles that occurred, you know, right where they're, they're sleeping every night. Yeah. I, I love that scene so much. The electro rock crew were very fun. Uh, and that dance fight is magnifique. But back um, to the, uh, the miracle center, did you <laughs> see this stuff about the radiotron? venue that was located across from MacArthur Park. You see this stuff? I did not, know. So what I was seeing on Wikipedia, I think it was on Wikipedia, was that there was um, this place called Radiotron. And I guess I'm now not clear on whether that was different from the Miracles Center. I think it is. I, so there's like the Miracles Center, right? But there's also that like kind of 
band shell looking thing that they have like the finale at, right? Is, yeah. is that separate from Miracles? It is, right? No, that is Miracles. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm 95% well, sure that's Miracles. What I'm seeing is that from 1983 to 85, there was a place called Radiotron that was located on South Park View across the street from MacArthur, MacArthur Park, uh, that this center gained a reputation for being a safe space for breakdancing, popping, graffiti art, emceeing, DJing, etc., uh, becoming the first West Coast hip hop youth center, but then you know effectively the city wanted to shut it down, much like the events of this movie, and that they made this movie break in two as an attempt to save it. And unfortunately, uh, shortly following the release of this movie in 1985, Radiotron was still demolished by the city for the construction of Parkview Mall. I see. Yeah, that's. That's cool that they like that uh, art reflects life like so immediately for this movie. But yeah, I didn't know that uh, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's weird that it's it's kind of based on on real life. But now I wonder what this Casa de Mexico or or whatever is. Yeah, it's still there from what I read. I think as of a few years ago, it was like being refurbished and like kind of built back up. I think it was like empty for a few years, maybe, but. Um, it was originally a Methodist church built in like 1904 or something. Hmm. Um, so yeah. So uh, some of my favorite characters in this movie are little wizard. Uh, he's a little kid who's <laughs> yeah. in like every, every single scene. He's got that cool t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, he's great. There's a mime that just hangs out in their break dance crew that I love. Uh, he never talks, obviously, but he's got like a big bulge in his sweatpants that I, <laughs> I appreciate, I respect. Um, and as weird as it is that there's a mime in their breakdance crew, when Turbo and Ozone and Kelly meet the like Latin dancers who hang out in the park, they have a mime in their crew too, <laughs> uh, which is very strange. Maybe this was a real thing. I mean, maybe there was a crossover between the worlds of mimery and, and breakdancing. I mean, I could almost kind of see it, right? Like there is a, mm -hmm. there's a similarity to some of the, you know, the physicality involved. That is true. And there's a, a scene at the beginning of this where they're talking about how they need to raise the money. Um, and ozone, I think says, yeah, we can raise money by dancing and juggling. And, okay. and like, that's kind of a weird and then later on in the movie, when he gets on TV to tell everybody about the concert that they're doing to raise money, he says it again. He reiterates, come on down to the concert at Miracles. We're going to be dancing and we're going to be juggling. But there's now, never any juggling in this movie. But no, it's been <laughs> none whatsoever. But now I'm wondering, is it at all possible that, you know, circa 1984, a young, violent Jay and or Shaggy Tudor... <laughs> misheard this and thought there's going to be juggalos down at the party. And they're like, you know what? I could be a rapping mime. Maybe, you know, I won't be breakdancing as much, but <laughs> is this where juggalo culture starts? I hope so. Um, I definitely hope so. Although maybe not because at the end, like every third person in the crowd has a Pepsi hat on and not a Fago hat. So maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, nobody calls my... Santa Claus a fat bitch in this. <laughs> That's true. Um, 
Another one of my favorite characters in this is a little dog. There's a scene where um, I think it's Turbo steals something from a construction crew and runs off. Like it's like a big wide shot where you can see the entire street and he runs down the street and the two construction guys run after him. And then a dog just like bolts out of like a neighborhood yard and runs after them as well. And I have to believe that he was not intentional, <laughs> that he was just like in the neighborhood. And so I like that guy. Um, There's also some good moments in this where they're doing like a huge, you know, dance scene. There's hundreds of people dancing. And then you can see like off in the distance, like small groups of people like watching, like, what the fuck are they doing over there? You know? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. I feel like they probably didn't get a lot of permits for this movie. Yeah. Uh, they're just filming wherever. Um and perhaps the best character in this is there's a guy in two scenes. He's in, in one scene at the, um, the ice tea concert. And then he comes back later for the finale. Who's just breaking while wearing what appears to be a Tor Johnson mask. Did you see this guy? Oh yeah. What's up with that guy? I don't know. He's just wearing Tor Johnson from plan nine. On his, uh, It's very, it's a good look. I don't know, but he's just there. I like him. Um, and yeah, so I don't, I, I love this movie. I think it's very fun. Like I couldn't decide on a favorite dance scene cause they're like, each one is better than the last. Um, there's, well, there is one standout one that maybe is the most well-known in this movie, which is the one that takes place in a rotating room where turbo yeah. is dancing on the walls and all around. And to do that effect, they use the same exact room that Wes Craven made for nightmare in Elm street. Um, for that first kill where, where Tina dies, the rotating room, which I think is incredible. Like what an incredible, like what a, what a hall of fame career for this room. Yeah. Break into and nightmare on Elm street. I, I would love to, to know, like, is there a third film that that room was used for? I mean, it's possible, right? If you build a room it like possible. that, you want to use it, right? That is true. It's um, impressive also, though. In that scene, like even knowing how they do it, it still looks really fucking convincing, man. Like you can watch it and, and in your mind be like, well, yeah, they're rotating the room and the camera is rotating along with them. It still looks like Boogaloo shrimps got magic feet. I don't know. I, I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Especially when um, his girlfriend shows up and like, she's standing, you know, on like, you know, what would be the ground level. And so like, now you have this extra element, like it's, yeah, like that part like really sells it, I think. And I mean, it's sold before then. I mean, it's like the whole thing is just so great. And like, he, he like uses his body to like, like he conveys the idea that he's fighting against gravity that isn't there really well. It's like, yeah, it's just so well done. That scene is, is really great. Because I mean, one thing about the, the Freddy Krueger version of that scene, which is also great, but that happens mostly in a, you know, very dark room that you can kind of not make out everything that's happening super clearly. This is like so brightly lit and it goes on for a long time. Like it's a full song. He probably does like six laps around the ceiling of this room. And I still feel like it's, you know, effective and convincing, you know, which is I think impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make more rotations in this than in Nightmare, for sure. Um, there's more to to this. Um, I think that is one of the specific references, though, to Mr. Fred Astaire. Is uh, there's a there's a movie called Royal Wedding uh, where Fred does that, and and I think Boogaloo Shrimp 
has been quoted as saying that he was like a huge Astaire fan and, and that maybe he brought that concept to this movie for that reason. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. It, that would also explain why later his character falls down a stairs and has to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, he insisted upon it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I love this movie, if you can't tell. Uh, what are you, some of your thoughts on this movie? How much do you love it? Do you love it as much as I do? I would say I do love this movie. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to say that, that I love it as much as you do. I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't really consider myself to be like a breakdanceman. Uh, in general, I mean, I like it as much as anybody that grew up at the time that we grew up. But I mean, I, I would be lying if I said I ever like watched any kind of breakdancing competitions or, uh, you know, dived deep at all in, into that art form. Um, but, I, you know, I, I love the fact that there are these few movies out there that represent it so well and were created, you know, created at the time point where it was most relevant and, and fresh, you know, and I think that's impressive is that. Uh, Canon was kind of ahead of the game, you know, with these movies, you know, the, something like Yo! MTV Raps, I think is maybe the point at which um, hip hop culture becomes kind of mainstreamed. But that's not until like four years after this movie. And, and I think in 1984, to be focusing on on hip hop, especially in like a Los Angeles context, I think is kind of unique and, and interesting. I mean, when I think of like early 80s hip hop, you know, guys walking down the Ave with their boom boxes and stuff like this. I'm thinking of New York city, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but there was this whole scene out here in LA that I think is maybe a little bit less documented. Um, and so these movies are really valuable, you know, um, in terms of that documentation. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I was, that I was thinking about while watching this too. It's like, yeah, usually when you think of like early eighties hip hop culture, it's East coast stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah. To have this, this look at it too, which is like, I mean, I guess by default since it's Southern California, but it's like brighter and more colorful and um, stuff like that. And I mean, that might all just be for this movie too. I'm not sure how accurate this was to the scene or whatever, but um, yeah, it's definitely a, a different kind of look at this stuff than you get in a lot of other movies. Yeah. And, and they really lean into that colorful, you know, aesthetic and I'm, I'm down for it. I, I love it. You know, I think the costumes in this are, a lot of fun. The set dressings are a lot of fun. There's just kind of like color splashed on everything in this movie. And there's like graffiti everywhere. You know, there's that one point where, where ozone is folding up his Murphy bed into the wall. And as he does it, it reveals that the bottom of his bed is covered in graffiti. And it's like, how many movies have a bed where the bottom of the bed is covered in graffiti, but everything in this movie has graffiti on it in, in a cool way. Um, and the pacing to this, I think, is really nice. You know, it's it's pretty rapid fire in, in some of these montages. And, and I hope that this editor got paid extra because so much of this movie is just these long, you know, music video-esque kind of montage scenes where he's, like, cross-cutting between a ton of different footage. Um, and there's even some, like, these crazy little, like, flash frames where they give you just, like, a tiny little taste of a frame or two um, that I thought was kind of unusual for the time period. Um, and yeah, I mean, overall, th- these movies are so wholesome in a way. Like, they they put you in a good mood. There's just kind of a lightness to them. I mean, honestly, I could see, like, another universe in which these were produced by, not canon, but by, like, the Disney Channel. And I don't think too much would change about them. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, th- I mean, you're probably right. I mean, Disney might soften a few things, like maybe like the fight with Electro Rock and like Ice-T being there and stuff maybe, but not by much. It is very, very wholesome and very PG. Yeah, maybe some of these costumes, I guess, Disney would tone down. Like Ice-T is kind of dressed like he's in a gay leather club or a Swedish black metal band or, or maybe both. Um, and then I, f- I forgot that the main girls' costumes in this were as foxy as they are, but they're... They're pretty saucy in some scenes. Like there's that audition where she's basically dancing in lingerie for this director. Um, mm-hmm. Some some pretty saucy stuff. But yeah, I mean, besides just kind of the fun elements to this, I think that there are some elements of like progressive social messaging in this. You know, like the rich white parents have their kind of veiled racism on display throughout this movie. You know, like telling their daughter not to hang out with quote unquote street people. It's like, okay, I I know what you're trying to say here. Um, But I think it's cool to see that in this movie, you know, that it is, it's kind of progressive in that way. Um, Yeah. And I mean, also this movie is like so much more like multicultural than like anything that would happen in the next 30 years. Like it's, it's pretty incredible, pretty out of its time in that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But and it, not only just in terms of the leads, but like, yeah, supporting characters and, and also just showing these neighborhoods that don't, I mean, Boyle Heights doesn't get a lot of play in most movies, but it's a, a really beautiful and, and interesting part of Los Angeles. So it's, it's cool to see it. Um, I guess my favorite two scenes in this are the sexy nurses synchronized dance scene. That's got to be number one, you know, that crazy hospital set uh, dance number. Yeah. It's probably my I like favorite. That, yeah. I like that those foxy nurses like kiss the patients who are in wheelchairs and then like they just get up and start <laughs> dancing around. They're healed instantly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love all that stuff. And, um, and also, yeah, the, the dancing on the ceiling scene, which I, I thought was great. But honestly, I, I think really the reason this movie is so well remembered today, I mean, besides the silly title, which I think does kind of stick in people's minds, it's, it's probably a blessing and a curse in terms of like it caused people to not take this movie seriously, but also is probably the reason that people remember this as well as they do is that silly title. But besides that, I think, I think it's Boogaloo shrimp. I I think he is the secret sauce here. I think the guy is extremely charming. I mean, he's not the most versatile actor, you know, in terms of his dramatic chops or whatever. Uh, but he's got a heck of a smile and, and you kind of just want to hang out with him here on screen. Um, so I, I loved his stuff in this pretty much from top to bottom. I like this kind of uh, plot element where you got these feuding styles of dance, which is another thing that I think harkens back to those Fred Astaire movies where they would have like, you know, ballet dancers disrespecting tap dancers and, and vice versa. Um, it's fun to see that. And, you know, there are a few laughs in this. I think probably my biggest laugh is when uh, at one point Boogaloo Shrimp is laid up in the hospital having fallen down those Fred stairs that we talked about before. And um, his girlfriend is just like hanging out in like a weird closet in the uh, in the hospital room. And she pops out at some point and people are just kind of like, well, wh- why was she in there? And they never explain it. Like somebody mumbles something about like, <laughs> oh, maybe she lives in there, which seemed, I don't know, that seemed kind of like a weird thing to say. Um, but I just thought that was so funny that she was in, I mean, I guess she was in there to kind of fool around with him, but he was, 
in a coma. So that's kind of weird if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's a lot of like medical inaccuracies for sure in this movie. Like also he, he breaks his leg, I think like that morning. And then by the time the afternoon rolls around, he's cutting off his cast so that he can dance in the big production. <laughs> at the end. So, you know, yeah. Um, but you know what, for me, I thought this was not a movie really so much about laughing. Um, I, this is maybe a movie that does have some jokes, I guess. Like there's a, there's a news anchor in this called Howard Howard, which I think is their attempt at a joke. It doesn't really land. Um, and I think it's also the kind of movie that like some people will find corny enough to just kind of like chuckle at it throughout, you know, but I think on the flip side, you can watch this movie and just kind of get invested in, I mean, not that you're going to get like hugely invested in the drama of it, but you take it on face value and, and, you know, have a good time with it. Um, I sort of like troll too. I, I think that this is a movie that maybe has a so bad it's good reputation when in fact, I think it's closer to, to just being a good movie. Uh, you know, I think the guys who made this knew what kind of movie they were making. They were making a silly teen movie with lots of colorful dance scenes and they deliver on that. I, I don't think that there is another movie that you can, you could cite that is more fun in this area. And it's, it's never boring. It's, it's very rewatchable and it's the kind of movie that appeals to a, a pretty wide cross section of people. Um, so I, yeah, I, I wish that this had done better. Um, you know, and I wish that they had made more of these, but I, I guess I, I should see rapping and figure out if that, uh, you know, continues the good feelings I had about breaking one and two. Yeah, I agree that this is definitely just a good movie. Like, I, you know, I think with troll two, the idea with the so bad, it's good quality is that, you know, they're trying to scare you. And when it's silly, like that's the disconnect, but like this movie, is designed so that if you're laughing or smiling while watching it, like that's the point, like it did its job. Like, I mean, I get, you know, like you said, I guess you could watch it and like kind of goof on the fact that ozone has like five raccoon tails on his body at all times, <laughs> like, or like some of the fashion stuff, like, but, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, man, I don't know. That's cool. Like, you know, I, I wish I was so confident that I could just wear raccoon tails all over my belts and hats. Like, you know, that I could wear a leather Civil War era Kepi hat in the middle of L.A. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like, I, I think the fashion in this is cool. But, uh, but yeah, I could definitely watch, imagine that people goof on it. Um, there's a lot of like short shorts and midriffs on dudes, which is yeah something that the kids would goof on these days. Guys wearing a half dozen bandanas simultaneously. <laughs> How'd you Too even do bandanas. that? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, all right then. Um, I think that's everything that I had. Do you have well, anything else you want to add? Be before we close it out, like I, maybe let's talk just slightly about, um, just about dance movies in general, because, because I, I do feel like this was a theme that came up over the years, you know, uh, on junk food dinner it seems like you're, you're kind of a dance movie fanatic. Is that right? Or, or is that wrong? That is accurate. I love dance. Like I, I watched, so you think you can dance for 11 years or however long it was on. Um, every single week, every time it would come back, uh, America's best dance crew. I watched the shit out of, uh, Lucinda Dickey actually hosted a dance contest reality show on like 
like the game show channel or something that I didn't have when it was on like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, so sadly I didn't watch that, but like, I love watching people dance uh, and I like dance movies, but I haven't gotten to the stuff that I know you like, like the Fred Astaire's and stuff. I haven't gone back that far, but, uh, but I would like to, I, I like that kind of stuff. So yeah, I love, I love watching people dance and I love, um, I like break dancing. I think it's fun. Okay. Where did that all come from? Do you know? Like, did you, you didn't like take dance lessons or anything as a kid? I did not know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I get probably from, so you think you can dance. Like, I think I just started watching that. Like I was, it was a show that would come on in the summer. And is I it, think, is that the one with like a celebrity that comes on and tries to dance like, or is that a different no, it's, one? it's a different one. It's, um, the guy who did the choreography for the movie, the apple that was on like the first junk food dinner episode or second oh, one. Yeah. He created the show. I think he created it. Uh, he was one of the hosts and judges anyway. Um, and it was just like three judges. Like it was like basically, um, American idol, but just with dancing. And like you had all kinds of different styles. Like there'd be like jazz, which is what Kelly does in this movie and contemporary, which is like the interpretive dance and like break dancers and like all kinds of different tap dancers. And it was like American Idol, basically like they just whittled it down to one every week. And I was obsessed with that show. I love it. I love it so much. Um, So I think that's probably where it started. And then as and then I kind of got into musicals from there and Broadway and stuff a little bit. Not that I'm like an old head at it, but I'm getting into it. And so it just kind of like branched out from there. All right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, as you were saying that, I, I was trying to think to myself, like, do I do I want to take that leap right now into grandpa musicals or, <laughs> or dance movies? You know, I've got a, a whole list of Fred Astaire movies I, I could share with you. But I feel like I I probably want to keep this in the area of stuff that our listeners would also maybe enjoy watching along with us, at, at least for now. Uh, Break into certainly qualifies. You know, this is a, a rare example of a a dance movie that also feels like a, a junk food dinner and or a junk food supper movie. Um, but if you're ready, I, I think I do have my pick for next week's episode of junk food supper. If, if you're ready, if you're not ready, you want to delay this further. <laughs> I understand. That's fine. Well, I do want to delay it for one second because, uh, if you're listening, send us a voicemail or an email or hit us up in the discord and let us know how, how important it is to hear about movies that like you're, you know, that you're into, like, would you be upset if we were talking about a Fred Astaire movie? Would it be cool to, to watch along if we did a Fred Astaire movie, like I I'm, I'm always curious about curious about stuff like that with junk food dinner too. And especially now that we're only doing one movie a week, it feels like you said more important, like are there places that you won't go if you're listening to this? Like if we start doing like, you know, like Fred Astaire movies, are you just going to turn it off or like, I don't know, is that fine with you or is that preferable to listen to stuff that's out of your wheelhouse? I don't know. I'm, that, I'm very curious about that. So let us know. Yeah. Yeah, let us know on on the Discord or call us uh, on our voicemail line. That is only our voicemail line now, and uh, only the two of us will ever listen to it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. We're not going to share that with Kevin. Right. Um, but if, if we're ready, I think I have a pick. I'm ready. And it's a bit of a left turn because I'm, in fact, not going to do a dance movie. Uh, oh. Although I guess there is there's a, a form of dance-adjacent uh, performing you could maybe okay. claim in this pick. Well, l- d- let me interrupt you there for one second yeah. because okay. I do want to mention – I mentioned this to you off air, um, but in doing these, we're like, we're kind of like, you know, when one person picks a movie, the next person like has that episode to think about what they want to pick. Like one thing that I think is fun to like subliminally try because we know what each other likes so much after doing this podcast for so many years (laughs) is like, like I said, I thought about doing my dinner with Andre for this first episode because I thought it would be a funny idea to do a podcast about two guys talking by doing a movie about two guys talking. And so maybe I will still at some point, but like, um, but like, I also thought that if I were to pick that movie, that maybe you would pick my breakfast with Blassie, the Andy Kaufman movie. Yeah. And so like to subliminally will that into existence, but like never mention it. Cause that would ruin it totally. Sure. But like, but like, I think that's going to be like my fun game to play with myself. And I was, when I also, also when I picked this, I was like, I know that Sean likes some of those old school dance movies. So maybe he'll pick one of those. Let's see what he comes up with. So, so I'm surprised that you're going, you're, you're left turning me here. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, you shouldn't be too surprised because I am in fact left turning you back towards your original <laughs> intent. <laughs> and you're picking my breakfast with blast. <laughs> Close. I'm picking I'm from Hollywood. The 1989 documentary, it's like, it's about an hour long, you know, that talks about the the Lawler-Kaufman feuds. I figured, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to WrestleMania, I'm going to see Lawler induct Kaufman. We should talk about it. It'll it'll give me an excuse next week to maybe wedge in some of my WrestleMania review. Um, But it seemed too on topic to avoid. And we've never really talked about it on the show. I mean, I'm sure we've talked, you know, here and there briefly about it but we never reviewed it on jfd i don't think right no no we did not so yeah so so that'll be it then it's it's an easy easy breezy watch you know and about an hour long i think there's a good copy of it on archive.org uh but but i'll, I'll make sure that if there's a easy way to see this that i let people in the discord know um but yeah i'm from hollywood yeah. a movie that, i think that it I might be on t- we'll probably both have a lot of feelings about Absolutely. I, I think that it might be on Tubi as well, but I'm not totally sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's out there, and and, uh, and that's my pick. And there's nothing that you can say about it, because that's how this works now. True. Uh, I like it. I like it. Um, the, the pick, anyway. I'm, I won't spoil what I think about the movie. Maybe I hate it, but I like the pick. And I will I mean, say this, not to get too far ahead... But if we're talking about not next week, not even the week after, but the week after that, the next time I get a pick, if you want to get to it, I have an incredible Kaufman-related pick. So I didn't want to blow it on the first uh, pick here, but like if you keep this Kaufman train rolling, I'm promising you a pretty good pick down the line. Well, it's it's possible because I've, I mean, Man on the Moon is one of my favorite movies. So I, it'll I'll have to, I don't know. I, <laughs> my instinct is to just immediately tell you that that's what we're doing next. But but I'll hang on to it. I'll consider my options and I'll let you know 
in two weeks, uh, the follow-up. But yeah, there's some other Andy Kaufman movies, and we we already did Heartbeeps, but there's yeah, what's that? God told me to or whatever. What is it yeah. called? Yep, that's it. I think it's a Larry Cohen movie, maybe. But yeah, which I don't think we ever did that. No, we did not. So. And I mean, and I, we could even do t- two or three episodes of Taxi. You know, we could. The world is our oyster. We could do anything, or yep. we make a left turn, and my incredible. Andy Kaufman related thing that I'm not going to reveal what it is. Uh, we'll just never be seen and we'll never talk about it again. <laughs> well, spoiler alert when it's my pick next, I'm picking a Fred Astaire movie. So <laughs> swerves on swerves. That's how this is going to go. It's going to be the most wholesome movie hostage where we're just always swerving back to what we feel like the other guy would have picked. <laughs> yeah. Doing each other favors by picking uh, things that we like. Things that the other person likes. Um, well, I think that wraps it up then. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the end of the program. Um, thanks everybody for listening to this. Find us in the discord. There's links on Patreon and on the Facebook, but, uh, leave a comment or something somewhere. If you want the link to get in again, um, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash junk food dinner. Uh, the tiers are a little bit different. There's no more Dom DeLuise movies. Um, the bonus episodes will still come. There will still be bonuses. Uh, at least one segment a month with Kevin and probably one or two with us. And then I think I'll probably also do like the hot chicks podcast again, because I really like doing it and I'm, I'm just lazy, but if I say for sure, I will do it, then I will do it. Um, this is the podcast where you eat spicy chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Where I eat spicy chicken while uh, reviewing Chick Tracts, <laughs> propaganda comics. Um, so go to that and, and take a look. If you're already a Patreon, things might have changed a little bit. And if you're not a Patreon, please consider it because Kevin needs his retirement money. Um, and go to junkfooddinner.com and <laughs> there's stuff there. Um in the Facebook, Facebook and the discord are really the two main places. That's where we're at. Uh, leave a voicemail three, four, seven, seven, four, six junk. Send us an email. Um, yeah. So I think that's everything. So until next week, this is Parker for Sean saying, thanks for having fun. I'm back, baby. I don't need this shit. <laughs>